four, three, two, one. Listen, every time we come on air, my lips get instantly chapped. That's a confession I'm giving to everybody out there. Microphone check one, two, one. Is this the Black Super Friends are back for business? One week I'm gonna get that down pat. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, welcome to another episode of Black Super Friends. I'm your host, D. Horace Town, joined by my best friends who I call the Black Super Friends. Going out of order tonight, I'm going to go up top to my main man, the person that owns the most amazing business in Orlando, Florida, the person that I like to call every week, Sing Chris. That would be King Chris spelled incorrectly on purpose. If you're in need of private pickup and delivery, I'm the one to call. King Services. Well, our motto is, if you got the book, I got the truck. We pick up in a pickup. Okay. You're a great, great service for the community. Expanding to South Florida very soon. Next, I'm going to the man of the hour who needs no introduction. He doesn't need anything, but you would call him the ladies' man. My guys, what's happening? Okay. Ladies' man. All right. Ladies. And ladies. next, my partner in crime, pouring live from Alpharetta, Georgia. We like to call him Super Mario 561. And the cigar room. All right, fellas. Listen, we have an interesting show. Y'all gonna judge me after the show, but listen, I got a lot of confessions. Chris, you already tagged this in. We ready to go? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get it. All right, first off, I want to go to my sponsor. My sponsor this week is real dear to my heart. He's out of Riviera Beach, and uh, he's really making an impact in our community. Tonight's sponsor is Randy Walker Auto Repair. If we can't fix it, you can come pick it back up. Randy Walker. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's your car anyway. Oh, man. Red. My man. And we can't fix it. Red Walker. Randy Red Walker. <laughs> it's your car. Come get it. Come get it. Uh, listen, guys, I'm going to start the show a little different. I won't get teary-eyed because I really actually did that when I heard the news. Uh, so I really wanted to start to show off respectfully and give a salute to a great loss in our community, a phenomenal actor, uh, a man who gave our kids a image that empowered black power, uh, empowered the Marvel comic book universe. And we want to salute and say rest in peace and prayers to the family of Chadwick Bozeman, AKA black Panther. For sure. Um, but before we, go there, before we go to that, I want to give a backdrop to that story. I want to give a salute to a Jewish American man named Stan Lee. Why would I do that? Because Stan Lee grew up in an era where we had civil rights era and there was hatred that he called intolerable and ununderstandable. I don't know if you know if that's the word, but he said that the hatred for African Americans was ridiculous. So and his genius, he created comic books. And the first one of the first comic books that he actually introduced, he said that sometimes you got to outsmart people. First mm -hmm. comic book that he created was called X-Men. 
So a lot of people go to, to the movie theaters and they see the movie series X-Men and we cheer them on. We like Juggernaut. We like Wolverine. But people don't know that Stan Lee and his genius, the X-Men was actually framed after two civil rights leaders. One was Martin Luther King. The other one was Malcolm X. So in the midst of doing that, Stan Lee received a lot of flack. And he actually, once people find out what he was doing, a lot of subscribers would mail their comic books back. So he said, I need to take it one step farther and I'm going to be a part of the liberation movement. And in 1966, he created the Black Panther. The Black Panther was a African prince with a mythical kingdom that was so far advanced that people hated the idea and the concept. So once again, they took those comic books and mailed them back. So for you have someone who didn't have to touch that subject to actually go out of his way to bring something to the universe like that. So the reason that we have Black Panther is because of Stan Lee. And a lot of the characters like, uh, I went blank, Luke Cage. Um, and in 1966, Black Panther appeared in the 52, 52nd episode of the Fantastic Four. Why did he do that? Yeah. Because he wanted to shake things up. Second of all, Black Panther in one of the comic books, it was Black Panther number 16, got married to Storm. Why? Because the idea of black solidarity, a black man and a black woman marrying was awesome. He did stuff to piss people off. So let's go back to Black Panther before I ramble on. Salute to this man who gave us Jackie Robinson. He gave us Jane Brown, which is my favorite out of all of those. Thurgood Marshall. A character, one of the movie people from the movie that Spike Lee just did said <coughs> bad because during the movie setting, every time they stopped, he would see people giving massages. He would see people working on this man. So he thought that he was a prima donna, not knowing that this man is battling cancer. So while this man has been battling cancer, he kept up all his appearances. He went to hospitals. He gave out uh, a Make-A-Wish Foundation requests. That is the kind of hero that we have to recognize because this black man understood the impact uh, of, of his image in the black community. So I want to salute this man like we have. So I had to give the backdrop because people oftentimes hear one thing, but they don't know the backdrop. So salute to the Black Panther chat with Bozeman, the phenomenal actor. And I'm going next to Zay, the latest man. Yeah. Um, definitely salute. I'm going to say to uh, Mr. Bozeman, thank you for the embodiment of all the characters that you played on screen, both on and off screen. You are a true role model in every sense of the word. Really gave uh, individuals, both children and adults, someone to look forward to, up to, especially as a black male. Um, it gave everyone a sense of pride. People were actually looking for Wakanda. They actually try and move that, you know, so that was crazy. But that phenomenon um, that that came that with his movement and just the way that he carries himself both on and off screen. What about you, Hart? Well, I want to. Uh, that was a good lesson too. A lot of people will go back and listen to what uh, uh, Tootie was saying. But if you're a comic book person, you kind of understood some of that. Understood uh, that that was like very very impactful. Like how they say, uh, put the met uh, put the sugar the medicine in the sugar or however you know whatever they say. Something like that, but uh, 
that was very that's what he was doing back then in plain sight, uh, telling stories to help chip at the uh, racial injustice that was going on back then. And um, Chad, you know what I got from this is you know we, we as soon as somebody died, we say sorry, then we miss them because we do. But a lot of stuff I had got like just little bits and bits and pieces of this uh, story is um one of the things that stood out to me was I seen a couple people brought this up that. This man had cancer for four years and we never heard about it. So one thing it told me is that uh, excuses for is is just should be thrown out the window. But this man for four years had cancer and still went on about his daily life, didn't ask for uh, um, pity from anybody, still went to work. And then he did something that nobody can't seem to do right now. He didn't address the media when they were joking at him picking at him because that was beneath him. And a lot of times people say, well, I don't care what these people say, but he was a true example of, I don't really care what these people say. I'm on a purpose-driven mission mission, and I'm going to finish this before I go. So I feel like that he took put his head down and he just really, really fulfilled his purpose. And I believe that he went to the uh, greater place. And I just want to say thank you from all the little black boys out there who now believe they can be a superhero too. And they don't have to go look at all those other people who don't look like them and think that only people that have superpowers are from a different race. So I want to say thank you for that. And um, just always remember that we never know what somebody going through, but uh, just keep people in prayer. Chris? Uh, well, I, I basically made an open letter to my brother. Um, dear Chadwick, I want to I didn't know you personally, my brother, but um, I just want to tell you thank you. I want to I want to tell you thank you for giving me something that I didn't even know I needed. I had no idea I needed representation as as a superhero on the big screen. I, I didn't know that until I actually seen the movie. When we were young, we 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 played as little boys, and somebody was Superman, somebody was Batman, somebody was Wolverine or whatever. But it it we never could. It, it couldn't be us because it didn't look like us. So I think I, I want to say tell him thank you for giving me giving me that. I didn't even know I needed it. Also, we read there was people that we read about in school from Thurgood Marshall and Jackie Robinson. And, and when we was coming up, it was a it was a book report in middle school or a book report in high school. But to actually see a movie that portrayed them, it gives it a different layer. So um, I just want to tell him thank you. Thank you for that. But that's as an actor. But as, as a man, I wanna I wanna say thank you just because like like what Hardy was saying, he he suffered in silence. He didn't ask for pity, he didn't beg for help or anything like that. He just went on about his business and I and I truly, truly appreciate that. Not only that, he while suffering from cancer, he was helping other kids that that's actually suffering too. And and for me, that's what I think that we're on this earth for is is for service, especially the service of others. So I, I look, I I really respect him for doing that. But most importantly, I respect him for respecting and and cherishing his privacy. Like we, I live in a time where, you know, if you're in a you can't you're not even in a relationship unless you put it on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? There is and marriages is about weddings and pictures and telling everybody this man was married privately let who he wanted to know let the people that he wanted to know in but cherished his one-on-one uh union with with that lady and, and not not tell everybody so 
you know, in, in a in a time where everything is just a big big ass show. I I, I really really appreciate so appreciate that. So we're, you're going to be missed, my brother, Wakanda forever. Yeah, I I must admit I was so I was discouraged. I was heartbroken by the news simply because, uh, you know, sometimes we build people up. And in my mind, I was like, if he died, like this man has money, I'm pretty sure he's, you know, getting the top of the line care. And for him to succumb to an illness like that, I was like, what does that say for the rest of us battling different things, you know? Um, and going into our second comment, when this man appeared frail probably six months ago, the man was annihilated on on black twitter the man they made jokes they trolled and talked about how bad he looked and he was the the skinny black panther and all those comments that they had and i've always known people we build people up to knock them down so going into the question of cancer culture we can look at the situation with uh meg and tori last week but it's amazing that even though this country is about freedom and the freedom of speech and, you know, all these rights we have, it seems like we've become a one-sided, we want everybody to think the same. If you don't think like I think, I'm going to attack your views. Uh, we're shame, group shaming people. And uh, in cancer culture, they'll build you up. You're the biggest celebrity in the world. The moment you mess up, you have people, those celebrities want to kill themselves because you didn't do something they did agree with. So in my in, in my era, I'm trying to understand cancel culture. I think it's vaining and I think it's shallow. But Mario, I'll let you dig into that. The whole <laughs> idea of cancel culture currently in this era. I did a little. Uh, first of all, I think um, it's turned into a different thing that it was intended to be. As I uh, asked a couple of people, because I really didn't understand the premise of why why do we even need cancel culture? A couple, and I could be wrong, but a couple of things I got back was. That people said, uh, give an example of if you find out somebody who you were supporting secretly was not supporting you or was not the person who they was claiming to be, then as a people, us black people should pull all of our support from them and put it on them and then counsel them so that we don't be um, giving them support when they really don't care about us as a culture. That's what it was intended to be. And I've never seen maybe once or twice that part of the cancel culture. The cancel culture I see is you do one thing wrong and it's not right in the public eye, then you can't atone for it. You just get canceled. And that right there speaks against everything I believe in. It's supposed to be everything America don't believe in and everything us as black people as a culture, we shouldn't believe in that just because we are humans. We're not robots. So at some point in your life, you're going to make a mistake. And if you're living in the public eye, you're going to make a mistake and it's going to be public. That's just a fact of living in the public eye. And so if you cannot grow, if you cannot um, ask for forgiveness and actually truly uh, for, uh, use your ways to show that you, for, uh, that you mean that you want to be forgiven and you still get ridiculed, that's crazy. And I think cancel culture, the whole thing about cancel culture is a bunch of bull to me because I've seen them bring up tweets from people five years ago and six years ago. I was a whole different person six years ago. So you mean to tell me if I come tell you how I'm feeling today, my works are showing that I'm not lying. I'm representing myself through not only telling you, but working that you bring up something six years ago and I can get counsel for that. If that's what counsel culture is, then that whole thing should be counsel. Because if, like they said, if you have not seen it, throw the first stone. And I'm gonna go to <laughs> 
Uh, well, honestly, man, I am supportive of the cancel culture. I believe in it. I, I completely believe in cancellation and separation. I think that we need to group with like-minded people, form alliances, practice group economics, and move forward because everybody everybody's not going to be able to go with you. And some people are just... I think it should be more of the cancer culture instead of the uh, cancel culture. But what I don't like about the cancel culture is it's it's like it's it's instantaneous. It's an emotional trigger. You see something on they 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 show you a clip of something they said, or you see a tweet, and all of a sudden you just you know you're done with them. I think that cancel culture should have rules. I think that um, first rule. I think that we should wait at least 24 hours before we make that decision. I think that I think that any any situation you shouldn't do it emotionally for just an emotional reaction. You should wait, go to sleep, wake up, see the sun, and if you still feel the same way, you you can cancel then. But give it give it a time. I mean, we think about even if think about if you really wanted to cancel somebody, like cancel them. Um, even if you was going to get a gun, it, it they get they make you have a waiting period over twenty four hours. So and that's for real life cancellation. This is we talking about just fake. I don't want to be bothered with you cancellation. So I think that it should, it, there should be a time period. Second, I think that we should, um, you know, listen to other people's point of view. And if you don't want to listen to their point of view, listen to people's point of view that, um, that agrees with them. Cause we have to have those conversations with people that doesn't agree with us or a different, have a different thought that that way we can get more out of the conversation. If we're constantly talking to people that just like, just believe the same way you believe you're not getting a whole lot from the conversation. Um, and lastly, I think that it should have an expiration date, just like what Hart is saying. Like, um, we, we we dig back far on people. That's maybe that's the, you know, maybe that's the issue that we that with social media now that you can, you know, you can dig back into your social media far. But I think that certain things should have an expiration date. Let's like like Hart was saying, man, you may not be that same person now. That may, that may be how you feel. You know what I'm saying? That may be what you was thinking at that time, but man, if I could go back ten years, I was a totally different person. So I think that that those are some of the uh, biggest things that I personally don't agree with with the cancel culture. But I do believe in cancellation and separation. Zay, talk to him, brother. Um, yeah, I'm I'm opposite. The cancel culture it kind of struck me as childish. Only reason why I'm saying that is because if a person does, I do understand that people are human and nobody's perfect. Individuals are going to make mistakes. Um, I do believe in allowing a person to explain where they stand and the reason for why they said whatever they said. You don't understand the reasoning, just judging them, like you said, emotionally and not logically. So that time frame period that you're talking about, uh, even though it doesn't seem realistic, it does need to happen, you know, because if you're going to cancel something, you need to be having that weighted and it can't be weighted off of emotion. You got to have your facts lined up, got to understand the person so you can say, oh, yeah, you really are. If you're wrong. I'm going to have to cancel my subscription to you as an individual. Hey, you cool, you're a black man, whatever, but you want some other stuff and, and get that point across. But I think it's right up there with, the, you know, all men ain't nothing or the Me Too movement. It's just something that become cliche and it became cool. So it's, oh, yeah, cancel them, cancel them. And that's hindering a lot of things and a lot of people in life, that same mentality. I don't know. What about you, Mars? Y'all, the cancer culture, I, I just think, I know I'm a part of black Twitter. Hell, I'm one of the founding fathers of it. 
And at one time, I know the power of social media. And it was some fun times back in the day. But now it's got to the point we don't have the same kind of people. I don't think people really understand the consequences of some that we do. Hell, we're in a society where people troll you just for some kind of thrill. And now you see some of the celebrities crack up from the cancer culture. You know, you go on Twitter or some of these social media, you'll see a fake page say the most horrible, unbelievable thing in the world. You know what I mean? And all of that sometimes comes from a person who they think they know just from, oh, this is a celebrity from a couple of videos you know, or whatever what they do. In our mind, we know them. So when they actually do something that's more aligned with who they are, people get upset and you see outrage because they're not who we think it is, who we think they are uh, personally. So the cancer culture, I think is out of hand, but I do, I'm going to be the hypocrite here. There are certain people that got to be canceled for the sake of the culture. I believe as celebrities, I believe as public figures, there's certain stuff that's out of bounds, over the line. I think you have a responsibility. If you are someone who people follow and some people, they stay tuned to hear what you have to say, there is certain things you cannot say. As a black person, you ain't got to, you can do the illusion of inclusion where you feel like you're not black and you don't mess with black people, but don't talk on behalf of black people. Do not say that you're black and then you represent us and then you go and say some stuff that we call in this era coon. What do I mean by that? This week, Herschel Walker made some comments. <laughs> there are a lot of Trump supporters that have made some comments, which bothers me. You know me, I'm a conservative. I go at both sides. But for the people like Silk and Diamond, uh, Herschel Walker, who said that he was in tears while the comments that people said to Donald Trump, those people that I believe fit that whole narrative of Malcolm X saying that the house burned down, our house burned down. Those type of people are dangerous to the culture. And I believe that, yes, they have to go. So cancer culture, there are some fine print moments that you have to follow. So those are my thoughts on that. Mario. Well, I think um, that's a good uh, point you brought up right there about that. But I got a question for y'all. So I think a lot of times what you're naming is uh, our expectations of people, because I don't I think we're the only culture that requires 100 percent of our, our whole culture to be on one accord. Like no other culture requires that. Like right now, Joe Biden and Trump are both Caucasian men <laughs> who are on different sides of the pole. But they're not saying, hey, all white people need to stick together. Like every time something go on, like I believe Ted Cruz, Cruz just the name of Cruz, is an ass. Cause he don't believe in what I believe in, but he don't speak for all black people. So if he want to, I believe it is some people who believe what Terry believe in. They can go over there. I can come over here. I don't think it's fair that he can't. He still is black though. He just not agreeing with me. So I don't think it's fair that right now if he say that we got to counsel him. I don't believe in it. I believe that he has the right to be an uncle, whatever you want to call him, over there. But he's still black. So I, that's why I just can't believe on any level of the cancer culture, just because we the only ones, only culture that put that kind of, that kind of like entire weight of the whole culture to being one. 
Correct. Because it's all about them, you know, unity thing. Somebody trying to take charge or you know push a point us in the right direction, and they feel like unity is what needs needs to be done. But like you said, everybody doesn't think the same. Like bro, nobody. Everybody. Yeah. Tell me one person who. Tell me one culture that everybody thinks the same. But Hardy, yeah, we a little different. We already up against the eight ball. There's certain comments that I'd have to say are treasonous. There's right. certain people that have made comments. It's like, don't come, don't even say you black. Just go away. Cause you obviously just said some hey, stuff. Girl, that, Candace Owens, how you feel about her? I'm saying I believe that Walk she is black. And I believe that she is just, just I, I I feel about her the same way of diehard right wing Trump people feel about people, white people who say black lives matter. That's the point. They're still white. They, you, I just don't agree with her. Like, it's no way. Like, like you're not a white person not gonna say, hey, you like Biden, you're not white, and you hurt the whole white culture. That's not what happens. I don't know. Yeah. Biden said if you ain't if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. So right. Because because we are yeah. because that's my point. Yeah. We, we, we criticize each other as a man so much to even not a white man says, Y'all all gotta do. With all y'all, y'all can't be free thinking people that decide on y'all own. Y'all have to, like sheep, True. follow one master. Bro, I don't believe it. That's why I don't want to cancel nobody, bro. I just don't have to fuck with you. <laughs> it's that simple, bro. I don't have to cancel him. I just don't. Want, I, don't I don't talk to those kind of people. I'm sorry to the. Uh, I'm sorry. Out the window, Chris. Yeah, well, me personally, I, like I said, I I do support the cancel culture. I believe in cancellation and separation. Right. I just don't. Be, I just don't believe in publicly bashing our people. I just, I just personally don't. Yeah. I think if me, if you and I, if, if we go backstage and we talk, we can we can talk as candid as possible. But right. I believe that other, like what somewhat somewhat of what Hardy was saying, other Martin, other races look at us. And then they feel comfortable when we when we do do those things. I may not agree with what Herschel Washer say. I may not agree with what Candace Owens say. But when I cancel somebody, I really mean cancel. Like I don't post your stuff. I don't buy your products. I don't listen to your music. I I turn. I I don't. Un, I unfollow you. I completely exit exit you out of my life. And if I'm having private conversations with another brother, then I would talk. I would speak on that other brother. But having public uh, just publicly tearing them down. I personally don't, but yes, some of those guys, some of those people that you personally uh, said, yes, I would agree in some of the cancellation. I just won't publicly use my platform to do it. That's, a, that's um, how I feel um, about it. Um, Toya said that people don't um that I know this Hispanic people in Miami, a lot of them love Trump. A lot, a lot of them love Trump. Well, Cuban, Cuban, y'all, y'all feel it's gonna be hurt. Hispanic is what? So what's Hispanic then? Uh, Puerto Rican, Venezuelan. It's, I had to learn that. There's a lot of Latin America. Latino. Right. So, right. so that's what I'm saying. So Cuban, uh, Cuban, not Hispanics? Yes. Right. So that's my point. So when you group a whole bunch of people, that's my point. So right now, oh, okay. Cubans, okay. That's what you try to do. Right. So Cubans, uh, a lot of them in Miami love Trump. But we don't say, but right now, they and I don't see them calling other people, because I work with some, like Mexicans, Bottom feeders and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, uh, so, but we don't require all Hispanics to come up under one umbrella and say, "Hey, y'all all need to shut up or speak for the, the children at the border," because not all Hispanics are doing it. Like no, because nobody else. But nope. you're not. Them, go ahead. They separate themselves. So <laughs> you guys, Latinos, 
hey, we uh Mexican, we Guatemala, and da da. We black. We black. So they I, have I, a vote. you don't have a Cuban vote. You have a Hispanic vote. They have. They say uh, it's a Hispanic vote. So, but right now they don't get ridiculed when one party of them disagree and one party of them don't. Like it don't hurt their whole culture. Like right, right now, if I say I like Trump, that hurt the whole culture. It don't. Like right now, if Cubans say they love Trump, it don't hurt the whole Hispanic culture. Like why do why do we have that much pressure on us to have to fall in line and all agree when that has never been done? It's I never could. been done. I, I think we allow that. We allow that. that. That's going down a whole nother road. But listen, if people don't put on some true glasses, November, we're going to be y'all. People feelings going to be hurt. I just seen a rally Sunday. I got an argument on Facebook today about that. I'm like, I rolled past a rally by mistake. And I'm like, these people are really ready. Like they know something we don't. <laughs> and you see pictures where they got, they, taking, they got guns, they got food. They had like, is the war coming? But when it comes to it's us really back good. to the culture, you know, every we're black. Everyone else associates with something, uh, something different. But listen, on the panel, I want to ask y'all a personal question. I want to go to the soup before the meat and potato today. And this was a, a subject that came in on the wire. Uh, and it was about the effects of having children out of wedlock. But my question to you guys is, you know, to the black men and the black fathers on the panel, because y'all, all of y'all are fathers, uh, how did children having children out of wedlock affect you, or how do you think is impacting our culture right now? That's the question I want to have. I think I, I phrased it right. So I'm going back to Mario again. Well, well, me personally, uh. I grew up without my father directly in the home, so, but I had a whole bunch of love from my family. So a lot of times I didn't really know I was missing stuff until I uh, got around other people who father was there and felt like, damn, I'm kind of missing something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have a, 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 a one man in my life to come and support me and do all this and all this and all that, all, just one man. But I didn't think nothing of it because I had some great uncles. But then I had to realize I got around other people who didn't have uncles. And I seen how it affected them. And then I got the ability to actually see my little son grow now. And I get to see like every step. I get to see that when I come home, he looking at me. Like when I walk, he walk. And I understand that right now, we don't really uh, talk about that as men, how much it hurt us not to be in our children's life every day. I know sometimes we have disputes with the, uh, with the moms and everything like that. But then we might talk amongst each other, but it's just not on the platform that's saying like, we be hurt too. I, we, we might fall into depression too, just because like once you have that bond with your child, you really love them. Like, and then you, you I know me, I start second guessing, like, did I do the right thing? Even though I'm not right with her, is it worth it? Am I choosing myself, my happiness over my child's happiness? You get all those, all those um feelings that come in that don't get talked about uh, unless it's amongst us, because we actually do, but it get painted that we just like, yeah, we left and I couldn't deal with the mom, so I had to go. But sometimes those decisions are harder than um, we paint them to be. So I think it's very much so it's adding to the trauma that us as black men already have. Because we go through day-to-day -day trauma, but now you got the trauma of being a little more nervous about that whole situation of your seed not mm -hmm. being in your grasp at all times for you to be a protector. You might be a provider and everything else, but you know that somebody else at some point 
is going to be in there molding them to some sort. And I know for me, I I had a, a bunch of sleepless nights of me trying to think of ways to be more present just because I didn't um I felt the, like uh, a missingness, a want to just to be there with my child more. How you feel about this, though, too? Um, well, you know what? I want to say I actually had a and people I, I told my son this when I was probably I'm a kid. I'm probably walking. You, you're not supposed to remember stuff as a kid, you know, because your memory too soft. Like baby Mario age. Yeah. I remember when my mom and my dad broke up in retrospect, probably for the best. But I remember my dad leaving, taking stuff out the house. So imagine the, those trauma for me for a long time. My dad gone. My dad left. I'm not seeing my dad every day. I'm a baby. And I know coming up, you know, with our grandparents and maybe our uncles, you know, they made, I don't know if it was a respect thing or it was just the way things were. Like if you got pregnant, you did the respectable thing and y'all got married and y'all raised a family together. I don't care. It was a mistake. You didn't get her pregnant. <laughs> Be honest with this woman and y'all create a family. And I think somewhere down the road, we normalize what our ancestors might call dysfunctional. What I mean by that? We started, I mean, at one time, I know my mom was, my mom got married and I remember coming up, if you had a baby and you went with the guy, it was so much shame attached to so many things in the black community. And I know um, now, you know, having a kid out of wedlock is just every day. There's no biggie. Hey, we had a baby. <laughs> we ain't together. I'm not having no intentions of being with her. She crazy. When I had my first son, my intentions was to get my son what I didn't have. I wanted to have uh, my son. Uh, I wanted to have my kids be able to say they got mom and dad in the same house and wake up every morning with my son, do stuff in the yard with my son. That was what I wanted. That was my dream. It didn't work out. Right. And the impact of it was made it tough to sum it up was as a man, I'm still a man. I went and established another family. But I still had another household. There's two households I got to maintain. Because my son, Tyler, they're not understanding that. <laughs> my kid over here not understanding that. You know what I mean? And y'all remember getting off work. I got a talented son. I got to get off work, take a bath, run to a practice, or, you know, travel. Once he moved away, traveling to a game. So it stretched me thin trying to fill those voids. But I, I, I have a problem now with the culture where, you know, you got so many people that's just, we had a baby and whether it's the woman or the dude, they had never had no intentions of raising a family together. And they don't think about the impact that that young kid is having. Cause now we are repeating cycles where now those traumas, we repeat them. You know what I mean? So I ended up having another child and didn't have a family to raise them in. So, you know, those are the things that I wish I could have had, but you know, I did the best I could. And uh, at the end of the day, I think I was, I did write it as far as being a man to my children the best I could. Latest man. Um, I got a different approach. Um, I'm taking back as far as how the child out of wedlock excess. Um, I'm one, you know, so I didn't grow up in a house or family with strong uncle with dad that would feed me into from that missing parent being that father i had good neighbors you know what i'm saying that's how we all got to be as tight as we are because you know 
my fathers were like those missing uncles that I had. So a lot of things, once I got older, confused the hell out of me because I just didn't understand. You understand what I'm saying? But I think that with me, even, even inside of myself, having a child outside of wedlock, it put me in a position of confusion. Like Mario said, a lot of times, things that I felt like uh, weren't going as smooth as I had planned it in my head or how I had envisioned it for my child would frustrate me. It would get me into arguments with the child's mother. And that's never ever anything that I wanted to show that child because all I wanted to do was show that child nothing but love. That, you know, even though we and the, me and the mother's not together, that we can still love each other and raise this child. And unfortunately, in today's society, it's usually hard because like a cancel culture type deal, or we're not together. So all you need to do is X, Y, and Z. And we still have to raise this child together because we put it together. You know what I'm saying? We started from the beginning. We got to end it together. We got to show that child some of the things that we probably weren't privy to because we both came from broken homes. It was just the truth. So I tried to become everything that I didn't have for my child, but without that tutelage, nobody taught me. So a lot of the things are, it's me right now fighting, not coming from a, a, a place where I can see how if you have disagreements, it's all right. You know, tomorrow's another day, work on it together, but you know, get through to the end. Once you split, it's, it becomes a problem of you're trying to raise the child how you see fit. They're trying to raise the child how you see how they see fit. Once those things aren't on the same wavelength, you got a problem with this person and they're not a good parent. And that's not true. Versus you're in the same home household. The woman is humbly submitting to you for the most part. So your ideas that you put into place, she's going to try to follow suit with you instead of bump heads like two brands. You see what I'm saying? And at, at the end of the day, all we want to do is make sure that the child is good, both sides, both the woman and the man. I just think that uh, men, us men, especially not coming from homes with men inside of them, we struggle and those are pitfalls, but they're misunderstood by women and you know, sometimes taken for being a good father or things like that. It's just an understanding of communication gap that happens. And those things come into play when that child is had out of wedlock because y'all already don't have first and, and that's one of the pitfalls that we went through. Um, what about you, Chris? Uh, well, again, I'm one of them people that takes the question at face value and I, and I try to answer the question how I, how it's written. It says uh, out of wedlock. When I looked at, when I define wedlock, it's, ba it's simply just um, the, uh, being married, legally married. So I personally can't tell you the effects of, of that because I've never been married and had a child. I've had a child being unmarried, and I think it's very hard to gauge the effects of two parents not being married as opposed to being married. I think it's more important to look to, more important to. I think we can gauge more of um, of two parent households. We can gauge that, and we can gauge a, of single parent. But it's, it, I don't know if it's easy. I don't know if it's easy to gauge out of wedlock because that simply just means being married. Um, I think the most important thing we should need to focus on is being supportive of the kids that we procreate, whether or not we're married to the person or whether or not we're um, in the same household. We, I think that we need to focus on being supportive financially, physically, emotionally to the people, to the 
people that we procreate. But before that, we need to be proactive. We need to pay more close attention and be more intentional about the, the people that we do pro- procreate with. That's more important. We can't just, I, look, I'm all about the smash nation, but I don't tell anybody to just go around shooting up, club, shooting up the club and then don't take care of your kid. I, I'm not, I'm not for that. So I think that it should be put in perspective. I think it should be put first who you have the child with support who you had, who the child, who you had the child, who the person that you had the child with. And then you can think about, you can think of marriage. I think it should be those two things are way more important than actually marrying. But I personally like to look at things on a different perspective. Um, I believe that being out, having children out of wedlock makes you make you sharpen your co-parenting skills. I think that's that's something that we lack a lot in co-parenting. I believe that. I get, well, I'll give you an example. When when we had to make me and my baby mama was forced with the decision of uh, whether we we're going to send our ch- this kid, my daughter, to school face to face or virtual. Now, personally, I wanted face to face because I, for the last four months, I witnessed the effects of how my daughter, my daughter, not being in school, not interacting with kids, being around adults the whole time, or sometimes having to be left alone at the house. So I, I've I've seen that it took a toll on her. I've had incidents where she's broke down and I had to come and comfort her. So I, I've personally wanted her to go back face to face, but. I said to myself, my my baby mama is in the nursing field or is in the medical field. She's a nurse. I'm going to lean on her understanding on this. And she decided to let's do virtual. And instead of me trying to play dictatorial, be dictatorial or, you know, trying to force the hand, I said, I need to lean on her and understanding. I need to work on and sharpen my parent, my co-parenting skills so we can look at it. We can focus on how bad it was or the negative about being um, having a child out of wedlock, or we can po- po- we can have a different perspective on it. All it does is help us sharpen our co- uh, co-parenting skills, and that's those are skills that we're going to need at work. Those are skills that we're going to need if we plan on uh, owning our own business that it requires employees. You're going to have to work on be able to work with different people, different understanding, and still for one common goal. So that's that's how I took the question. Yeah, well. When we tell you out of wedlock, we were saying two parent household. Listen, you know, my dad, uh, you know, love him. He was quite the character. Uh, but imagine me growing up when I did grow back up, you know, get into a household with my brothers and my mom. She got remarried, uh, got married. I think I was five years old. There's an odd, mm-hmm. it is very odd growing up. Your mother has kids from a guy married, and you the cat, you're the only one that ain't your daddy. <laughs> so, it it does, you know, you see the benefits and you see the the Christmases and you you know they treat you well, but it's always a little different because he ain't y'all have, hold on. Y'all had a dad? What's that? Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Exactly. Never mind. Whatever. I don't, I, I don't know how it's gonna affect my children different. I think you have to ask them because one I wasn't in the home all the time and one I am gonna be, but I can just see the difference in um it's stuff that I I missed that, like, I just see, like, every morning. I don't see Jayla wake up a lot of mornings. But now I know Mario has a, ro- a routine that he does every time he get up in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. it's just certain stuff that he do. Like, the first time he said that, like, I ain't have to get that. Now, I got Jayla on the third time, on the fourth mm-hmm. time. Or sometimes she told me, on uh, the Nicole used to call me and be like, hey, you know Jayla did this? 
Now I don't have to get that car. I can see like I'm I'm right there. Like I went to the store and picked out his little shoes. Like, you know what I'm saying? So me just being more interactive. And maybe that's just because I'm older now and I care more about that. But I believe co-parenting does happen in marriages too. Because right now, that same situation, if Jalisa feel like something and I feel like she got more knowledge of it, then shit, I'm gonna go where she go that she wanna go with. You know what I'm saying? Like if she was a nurse and she tell me, Well, I don't want my child to go to school, cool. Well, then you know better than me on that. You know what I'm saying? And that's just where it's gonna be. Um so I think that you're right, though. It could be applied to different measures. And I'm not going to say it's the end all. It's going to make your life horrible. I'm just saying as a, as a father seeing it, it's like person seeing both sides, that point right there, me just being able to see every little single thing, to me, that's just to me, it's like a a, a breath of fresh air. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like a, a, a lot of stuff that I didn't even know I missed. Because I was there for a lot of jailer stuff. And I ain't never missed no important stuff. But just the little stuff that I didn't even know I missed. That I'm like happy seeing now. So you the one bought uh young Theo them Buster Browns? He was wet. I, uh, I, I had to get my boy. I seen them, I seen them skippers. But you, <laughs> you know what's funny about that heart? It the things that we missed made us the fathers that we are now in hindsight or retrospect. You know what I'm saying? And what we're trying to do, I think, is make sure that our kids don't go through that. So, like Chris was saying about making sure you you seeing who you procreate with. Obviously, you know, we ain't thinking about that at the time. We didn't have that type of tools. We could see a, some buns or a cute face that we liked and we were at it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, think, it's, it's I don't think it was that. I, I, I'm not to cut you off, Jay. I think it's this. Yeah. Kyle is the perfect example. Like right now, Horace has been there. So right mm-hmm. now, Tyler gonna meet a girl. And when he at some point, she gonna get around Horace. And Horace gonna get him one of them son, son. Let me tell you this and this and this and this and it. That's what I'm saying. Tyler's still gonna like the wrong women sometimes. He's still gonna, of course, he's gonna fall for the same thing we fall for. But the only difference gonna be is he's gonna have his father there to put his arm around and say, Hey man, I hear you. I'm not telling you what to do, but I think you should think about this, this, and this. I had a girl like that, man, by a lot back in the see, that's what we didn't right. have. So we were winning. Right, right. I was coming to you, you was coming to Chris, I was coming to Horace, and we was blind leading the blind. Ready to submission, yeah. our heads was all yeah. in the same place. Well, she sure right. ain't sick. You might want to not pass up on that. When pops would have been like, pass tomorrow, pass yeah, today. Real. No, right now, right now. Listen. Well, y'all, y'all, hey, before y'all became fathers, y'all could laugh at my pain for a long time because it was very painful. But pray for your nephew because he he a rap star now. He out there like Bronco Billy. Oh, he was out there hanging and banging this weekend, boy. Yeah, I tried to, I tried to bring him a gift with a little something. He, he, and the unk, I can't do it. I, I can't even do it, dog. Oh, he called you. He answered. He said he part of the shot me a message. Strap a die. Strap a die. Bronco Billy. Well, get him his coat because he's part of Smash Nation now. Let me go to the meat and potatoes where I get angry and and get militant for a minute. And get militant for a minute. Because early in the show, before we began season one, me and Mario had a conversation about marching. And I was like, listen, I'm past that. I'm a veteran. I'm not marching. And people let them racist people look out their window and be like, y'all Negroes can march around this block 50 times. And I was like, they don't care. And then you schooled me. He was like, it ain't about the, the marching, but sometimes the people want you out there in solidarity. Uh, then we had more protests. And then this week, to cap it off, we had a stance where um, 
I can't think of the cute girl, the little tennis player. We had major athlete after the Milwaukee Bucks because of a tragedy that took place in Milwaukee. Say we not coming on the court. They left Orlando on the court. Say we not playing today. LeBron issues a tweet. Say I'm sick of it. Some got to change, right? Then you had MLB baseball team say we not playing tonight. A lot of African American and other athletes united shut down major sports for 24 48 hours i commend them right and people ask me why and this is not nothing new so i wanted to give y'all a track record in 2006 a young man named sean bell was killed early a couple hours before his wedding in new york city he was shot 50 times three officers were put on trial and they were found not guilty so let's go to what I call the hashtag roll call because it seems to be the new trend. So we march and we do all the things, but this new hashtag is what pisses me off. Because some of the names you forget about, Atiana Jefferson, 2014, Eric Garner, 2014, Michael Brown, 2014, Tamir Rice, 2016, Walter Scott. Remember the guy that was running in South Carolina, got shot in the back for no reason? 2016, Alton Sturr, a concealed weapons carrier who was told to get, get his ID and then shot to death in front of his girl and his kids. Philando Castillo. Philando Castillo, 2016. 2018, Stephen Clark. Don't forget about the cutie Kareem Gaines. Let's not forget about Dallas, Botham Jean. Let's not forget about Breonna Taylor. Let's not forget about Sandra Bland. Let's not forget about George Floyd. And then we had this incident in Milwaukee. So with that being said, I want to, I really want to hear y'all thoughts on the major league boycott because Charles Barkley made a comment that said, we commend that we commended you, but what's the real plan? Cause y'all shut it down, but we go, we going back to plan. It's no long term plan. And then you have people that don't really understand what the protest's about somehow still. So I wanted to get y'all thoughts uh, on the athletic boycott. And, you know, let's talk about what it's really about. What is it, what is it really about? So I, hopefully I phrased it up quick because I needed to do that roll call, but I'm going to go to Chris first. Is that okay? <laughs> okay. Um, first, before we even start, and since we're talking about NBA, I want to give a Big rest in power to Coach John Thompson, the first African-American coach to win the uh, NCAA championship. Um, I started. I, I got caught on to um, John Thompson when Iverson was there. He's my right. favorite college basketball player. Now, he, he was doing it before then, but that's when I really had a spotlight on him. So I just want to side note, I just want to say rest in power for that, to that brother. Uh, second... It was in Kenosha, which is 40 miles away from Milwaukee. Now, I am I am hopefully optimistic about the um, NBA boycott. I think it sent a message, a powerful message to the powers that be that, you know, we won't change and we won't change now. I think that is is great to see that what can ha what we can affect when we stick together on, on the one accord and and, and um make a movement because 
I'm sure. And there's been reports that all those guys didn't agree. But since they collaborated, collaborate, collaborated together and did it together in unison, it affected it affected change. Um, I think the only leverage that we have is our threatening threatening work stoppage. I think this country has benefited off a lot off of our labor and talents for a long, long time. And I think the only leverage that we have, if we're not in ownership, we have threatening threatening uh, a work stoppage because I because I've seen the NBA protest and it sent vibrations through all the sports. You've seen the uh, tennis player that you were speaking about. I think her name is Coco, maybe. Um, uh, I've seen baseball games canceled. I've seen the one hockey black player, he talked about, um, he, he spoke out. So you see the effects of, of the NBA boycott. And in two days, a 48-hour boycott, it, it, made NBA, uh, it made the NBA make changes. Now, what you were saying before, Horace, is that it happened in Mil- that happened in Milwaukee, well, close to Milwaukee. When the Bucks decided to boycott, they were able to once they made it present, they was able to get uh, the senator, the I think the governor of Milwaukee, and a lot of elected officials on NBA. a Zoom call, simply because that their owner, who's a billionaire, was have that kind of influence and have that connection to get those people on there. So, with just a boycott, you see. What what can what can possibly happen? You can talk to people, be face to face with people that's actually able to make change. And some of the some of the out of this forty eight hour boycott, some of the things that came out of it was the NBA pledged to basically make uh, some of the the arenas in their prospective cities as voting hubs. And we speak a lot about the importance of voting because we we we're we're told that we have to vote these people out. We have to. We have to get them out. That's this is another way of uh, affecting change. Also, they said something about, and this is this is their words: advocating for meaningful police and criminal and criminal justice reform. Now, I'm not sure what that means, and I hope I'm very hopeful to find out what that exactly means because a lot of times we're given a lot of big words without substance. But I believe in the NBA because they have they have been supportive of of black people and their players in this fight for social injustice, unlike NFL. Cause I've protested for the last, I haven't watched the NFL game for four years ever since Kaepernick Neal. So I'm all for po- protest. But what I think is more important is that you seen men stick up and risk their career and, and money to, to shed light on one man. We get, we we have, there's a lot of negative narratives about, you know, black men. As they didn't made a whole set of crime, especially for us, black on black crime, which it doesn't exist in any other race. But they set they made that for us. We just had a show last week talking about black men protecting black women. So there's a lot of negative narratives going around. But I, I'm one of them, I'm I'm a man of of the numbers of of the truth. The truth is. Black men, we lead in homicide, we lead in suicide, we lead in homelessness, we lead in unemployment, we lead in incarceration, and we lead in deadly encounters with the police. So my question is, who protects the protector? Mario, you talk to him. Um, I agree with a lot of stuff you said, too. That was those. That's a good fact that you was making. That uh, A lot of people always say, what did they accomplish? First thing they did is they got on the phone, and they got 
they got an actual answer and a conversation with a person who wasn't really trying to talk to them. But because of the billionaires on the other side, the some of the richest people who lobby behind people, own corporations, and and have tremendous influence and all over, all over the world, um, start calling their connects and their hookups. So the people are like, well, why are they doing it in the NBA? Because I told you about because they're rich. These are some of the richest people. We're talking about all billionaires. If you own a basketball team, you're a billionaire, which means you know politicians, which means you know governors. You know all these people. So it's not about just going through to change the rules. I can Just like I can pick up the phone and call Chris, billionaires can pick up the phone and find somebody's number and say, hey, bro, check this out now. I know you got a lot of stock in this and this and this, but I need you to do me a favor and tighten up down there because I need this to be this because now you're messing up my money. And that's how I go. Everybody understands that once you get into those rooms and those groups, then it's a favor for a favor type thing. So I think that what they did was honorable. And a lot of times I think we need to stop. Soon as something don't go our way, just tearing down the whole movement before we even see it play out. I seen the guys, like Chris said, put their paycheck on the line and everything, no matter if they're rich or not, put their paycheck on the line and make a stance. They didn't know how this was going to turn out. And LeBron and Kawhi was ready to go the whole season. Cancel the whole season before everybody came together and agreed on replaying. So it wasn't just like, oh, let's just go back tomorrow. They agreed, they agreed as a whole to come back tomorrow. And then after that, it's like I see so many people, oh, they folded like shells. Oh, that's all this. But bro, how many of y'all have walked off on y'all job for one day? Like we as people, we so quick to just turn down everything somebody do when we're doing nothing. Like a lot of people who I see on the internet. Was all that? Oh man, you're just not doing it. They're not doing it. They could have did more. They could have did more. What have you done? <laughs> How much more did you do? Right now, I'm pretty sure your boss don't give a damn about you. I ain't see you walk off one day on a strike. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like I appreciate everything they're doing. Every everything somebody doing for the cause to help my son have a better America and my daughter have America. I appreciate everything. Every protester, every person who's striking, every person who's doing anything to help. I appreciate it. And I'm and I never want to be on the side of pointing my finger at somebody when I'm sitting here on the couch talking about what they should be doing and not doing nothing. Word. How you feel about this, uh, Tootie? Well, <clears throat> I want to go to my textbook, my uh political book from the book of Horace, Miami. Money is a major issue, and that is the, the truth of it. The thing that people we have began to understand, I said all the time, America is a monopoly board. America cares about money. It's always about the money. That's why when they say we're not playing, you know how many people lost money from the network deals to the TV, to the to the sponsors. The money train got shut down and it's already impaired due to COVID. So right. we already impaired and they these Negroes are willing to shut it down. So if I'm not making no money, uh, I don't know. If you can't get these people in line, I don't know if I'm going to be able to donate that $10 million to your political pact at the end of the year. Sure. I see a lot of the owners, that's why they were able to get on that phone quick. Hey, get these Negroes in line because you. I'm losing money. And if you don't, you can forget about me giving that 10 mil to the GOP. You can forget about the five mil that's going to uh, Senator Lockhart. 
And that's what we always got to remember. It's always about the money. That's why when I see that wretched Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, and different owners. Like the Patriots owner who loved Trump. It's <laughs> <That, laughs> right His best friend. Hey, let's leave the right hand out of it. It was the left. But <laughs> always about the money. I don't care if it's locally or nationally. So I commend them for that because by us, we make the, this country a lot of money. And somebody taught me, an old man at one time told me two things. If it ain't in entertainment, we make a lot of money. It's black failure that a lot of people are getting rich on in this country. We always tied to the money. So that's just my statement. Remember, Miami, money is a major issue. Latest man, take me home. Well, my brothers, um, me and Chris kind of the same shoes. I have not been in tune with any type of sports. I hardly even watch TV, honestly. Um, I do commend them for doing that because, like you said, anybody willing to risk their money to get a point across is at least making the first step and effort. Everybody else is just bumping their mouth. And you know what the old people tell you, your mouth is fried chicken if you let it. So you got to take your hat off, hats off to those guys. Um, it's not a huge thing, but it's a start. And with anything that's going to get started, you got to make the first step. And those guys did that. So now we just got to follow through, like Charles Barkley said, with some more of a plan. Because like you said, Horace, Money is the issue. Not everybody can afford to sit out like Kawhi and LeBron. So those guys still have bills. They're, they're broke on a high level. They're making money, but they have families and things. They got to take care of and things they want. So they can't sacrifice too much, but they do understand that it is, is a need. So they did take that step. So for that, like I said, uh, I commend those guys. But um, we do need a plan and just try to figure out what else we can do. Hitting them in the pockets work. We got to figure out a way to get it, you know, to get that attention again, because that's the only time we as men tend to even pay attention is one, once we're getting hit in the pocket. I, I, mean, got, uh, I, I would say this too. I, I want to just, what do y'all feel about this? Because I, I feel, people seem to forget that at the beginning of this uh, injustice when the NBA season was starting, that a, a good fellow um, named Kyrie Irving uh, came up and said, hey, I think we should just not play this year and then make them pay because uh, of the injustice that's going on right now. And everybody ridiculed him and called him a nut and a fool. And what is Kyrie talking about? He a fool. You got to play basketball. What is he talking about? You know, I know now a couple of weeks later, everybody else does. And they just getting a pat on the back. And, they, and nobody's saying that Kyrie said this months ago. Yeah. If you don't make them, the injustice is going to keep going. And even in the midst of this, nobody said, hey, the good brother Kyrie might have been right here, that we overlooked it. Now, I think that's what I'm talking about right there. It's a lot of time in our life that we don't, that somebody be trying to warn us and that we don't even see it. And we, we crossed them off as a fool or idiot and all this because Kyrie definitely was saying do this months before we even started the NBA season. And the mm -hmm. NBA entitled, everybody on the shows and everything was calling him a fool. But now, really? look. No, I'm going to agree with you, Mario. One thing about being a leader or trying to do the right thing, boy, the people, the same people you're trying to lead is going to give you the biggest opposition, you know, a lot of times. Now, listen, I'm a Michael Jordan fan. Boy, on the court, he's probably one of the greatest. But I will tell you that LeBron James makes me feel good as a black man as far as seeing he is the epitome of what I've always wanted the black athletes 
to be, to understand the strength and power that I hold. There's an old picture with Jim Brown and, and uh, Bill Russell. It's an iconic photo with all these black athletes, Muhammad Ali, in this one picture, right? And now some of them are kind of disgraceful right now, but I always envision the dream about a black athlete with all his power knowing that he can impact change. So I got to salute LeBron. If I had to go down to a GOAT vote, that would be the tiebreaker for me because he's everything that I wish Michael Jordan was on the and social dude. level. And I'm starting to see Michael. Michael has reformed. Yeah. Um, That's what I wanted to say. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've, seen I've seen my bad Jose. I've seen good, Mike do a lot of I mean I've seen Mike late recently and well he's been doing it but I've seen Mike recently make a lot of donations which is money money is good but Mike also played a big part in you know talking to the players yeah media. uh being a mediator in this, in this situation I don't know the words that he was saying but he did play a part and not only that Mike Mike is a part owner owner of the team so I just want to shed some light on that. Zay, you're trying to do better. No, I was going to ask um, if you had caught the clip. I think it was Tucker Carlson, and they interviewed Candace Owens, and she was giving her dissertation on LeBron and, and his intelligence, which was astounding to me for her to say some of the things she said about LeBron as far as him not being intelligent. Now, he may not be uh, as intelligent on the facts as far as the political side of it, but that man is very intelligent. And something that Zion Lee just said, He's just cranking up. He's getting started. I think they actually woke a beast inside of him because now he's going to focus on it. If you think about his, his basketball intelligence or his IQ on the court, once he focuses in on something and if he feels as strongly as he does to make that stance, I think he's going to zero in on the political science side of it and get his ducks in a row. And they're going to really have hell to pay or some trouble because he is one of those figures that can make some things move. And he is in conjunction with, like you said, the, the Michael Jordans, who has the uh, the influence of the other billionaires. He may be the lowest one on that on that total. Let's not forget who uh, started this NBA uh, thing. It was the Greek freak. Like, I know we're going to push yeah. all, we gonna push all yeah, this. Right, LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I understand LeBron is doing his thing, and he is. But let's get it straight that, that the Greek freak came and said, and didn't let nobody know in Milwaukee, said, we're not playing. Orlando had right. already been on the court and everything. They're like, "Whoa, what's going on?" They was like, "Bro, uh-huh. we're not playing because this happened in Milwaukee, so we're not gonna go out here when people are getting killed. Black men are getting killed back in Milwaukee and play representing Milwaukee on our back until we see some justice." And then everybody fell in online. So a lot of time, I think that's getting swept up under the rug too. That that uh, Giannis made yeah. that decision as the captain of his team and didn't let nobody know and just said, "Well, this is what we gonna do." And I and I applaud LeBron and Kawhi oh, and everybody else for falling suit, but that was Kawhi saying, "Bro, we're not playing until this um go on." Well, let me tell you something that sounds hypocritical. Listen, whether you vote for yeah. Joe Biden or Donald Trump, I'm sorry to say, whoever you vote for is not going to stop racism mm-hmm. in America, right? But yeah. what I will say, the power of voting. Let me tell you what the power of voting does locally. There was a young man, we all watched the video, a 17-year-old young Caucasian man, boy, walked around after those boycotts, shot two people, killed two people, and walked right past the sheriff and the militia unharmed. He was even told by one officer, we're glad you're here, blah, blah, blah. So the sheriff and the DA said they're not going to press charges because he was defending himself. 
Now, let me tell you the power about voting because they have their power to say that because he's in that position. But the reality is the DOJ has gotten involved. The power of the law is a 17-year-old in that state cannot yield a firearm. He's 17. So how can you, uh, first of all, a firearm, assault rifle. So there's so many charges that are going to come with that case. But going back to what Chris saying about the power of voting, those local races, when you're a district attorney and your judges, when you're in a place like Milwaukee that's now under the spotlight, you see where you need to go and impact change because those people are making those type of decisions. And those people usually are getting voted in every year because people don't show up. Even Sheriff Clark, a black man who is one of Trump's biggest supporters, is he runs as a Democrat because he knows everybody's just going to vote Democrat when he's really Republican. And he's one of those black faces that talks bad about black people. So I just want to co-sign on what Chris said about the importance of voting, especially on a local level. Uh, well, a, a great, a good date to look look out for is October 13th. I think that's the day of the uh, finals, either the finals or the final start. I think that uh, we need to be, pay close attention to that day because that is the most effective boycott day. What game such and such of the, of the first round of the playoffs, not as much. But if you threaten stoppage on the finals, I, I hope I hope change happens between for then because um that day is the most effective day. I agree. Especially with no seats. Especially when you're not selling tickets and all your money is coming from um, mm -hmm. um advertisement. So oh, you're right. That's let's pay close attention to that day. So if I nothing agree. don't happen, I think I think we need to pay attention. Especially in a perfect world with Giannis playing LeBron. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know them Heat. What, yeah. happened, what happened to the Heat? Did they, what, did they win? I don't know. Yeah. Damn, they keep on know, calling. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Who yeah, she won. Joe Biden? I knew it, it wasn't going to be. Yeah, no he won. Bad. Won. Won. Bad. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to close the show out. Monica, I know. Okay. All right, guys, before we close out on another episode, <laughs> hey, Team Monica just went and slaughtered Brandy. You know, she want to be down. She got beat down. <laughs> hey, one time for the ATL. You know what I'm saying? I love her. You know, let's, I ain't, I can't make her list, but one time Chris, let's remember, let's remember, Brandy had Kobe. Uh, uh, Monica got C. Murder. I think Brandy won that, that situation. And I digress. Listen, Chris, I never heard Mr. Elliott say that new brandy never happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never but Brand Monica ain't got no brother. <laughs> that was all that was a, basically flavor of love. Only time brandy is a thing is behind the wheel behind the wheel of a car. That's hit below the belt. That's hit below the belt. Let's hit below the belt. Oh God, uh, Zion Lee, I am so sorry. I will not put Team Brandy comments on this board. Okay, I'm sorry. Brandy, listen. Yeah, well. but listen, I will say the whole versus thing is something new. I think it's good for the culture. I think the one where they had the Jamaicans on there with the tight britches, the two legends. Oh, boop, 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 boop. Yeah, people that ain't never been Jamaican, been Jamaican during that versus. You know what I mean? So, shout out to the culture. Closing comments. I'm going up top so to my main man, 
These nuts. Um, <laughs> I want to say, I want to say we said that we're going to shed light on uh, uh, black men that's, you know, doing their thing. I want to shed light on one of our mutual homeboys, Jay Mo- uh, Mosley. Uh, I've seen this guy make a great evolution. Uh, I went, I, I helped him when he was getting his GED. He's went from G- getting his GED to working, you know, good jobs and not he started a uh sweets and baked goods uh business now he's doing t-shirts uh i just want to give a shout out to my brother uh i, I see what you're doing i really wish you would name one of these businesses so <laughs> that'd be a little more helpful that'd be a little more helpful but brother i want to give you a shout out zay talk to hey, him man um yeah i'm gonna follow up jay you doing your thing um, I definitely see, you know, I give you your flowers every time I see you or I hit you in your comments or in your inbox, man. But I'm just there trying to be a support for you. So that's definitely what's up. Um, my boy Quentin actually reached out to me this and it was a surprise to me because, as y'all know, we did the Bridge to Infinity, the young youth entrepreneurial camp with the young men from 14 to 18 this week. And unbeknownst to me, I had one of our mutual friends' son inside that group. And, you know, Quentin, thank you for the words of encouragement that you gave me. Um, Like I told you, I had no clue it was your son. But that just goes to show me that it doesn't matter whose child it is. If I see you and I see the potential, I'm going to try to spark that fire. Um, Definitely want um, young men to (laughs) just open up, man. Um, Try and make sure that... Take advantage of any of these opportunities and tools to be a better man in this community. That's all we're trying to build. Young men coming up, doing that thing. Um, Q, I just want to say thank you and give you your shout out because you're doing an excellent job with that young man. Mario. Yeah, Mario. I was going to shine a light on that too. I want to say y'all doing a um a good thing, a good thing in the community. I seen uh, that was just not no one day thing. That was actually like a whole process of uh. Of uh, men that I know on all walks of life, you know what I'm saying. I seen a couple other guys who I know volunteer on certain days and talk. That was a, uh, actually a good thing. I think that need to be highlighted more in the city because what y'all doing, them young men, is definitely gonna leave a, a mark on the city. And it's, gonna, it's, it's it's definitely putting Rivera and West Palm Beach and the whole Palm Beach County a step ahead. And I appreciate all y'all for that too. And um, just say keep tuning in. I knew it was hard to tune in tonight for everybody because you had the Brandy and uh, Monica um, versus, yeah, but uh, you could definitely uh, repost it and tell everybody to go back and watch tomorrow and, you know, keep those going. Um, you know, during the week, the date doctor put up a lot of uh, excerpts on his page and he asked a lot of questions. Horace asked a lot of questions. I've seen Zay a couple of times. So you can answer those questions and give us topics and give us stuff that you want to talk about because we want we here for y'all too. Um, Horace, what you, <laughs> what you, uh, what you say? Get your nephew, he's killing you out here, man. <laughs> he liked his hat, and he's gonna be on set. I'm gonna put this on TTD merch soon, you know what I'm saying? He's just stepdaddy hat, you know what I'm saying? You're gonna get all the babies. Uh, he's, not the step- supporter. he's not the stepdaddy, he's the dad that stepped up. <laughs> oh, wow, that'll give some cat. Listen. Well, I turn it backwards, then I become the uncle. You know what I'm saying? However, y'all want to play it. No, now you become Jamaican. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 
Woman like that. Like that. Well, nah, you look Nigerian right now. Hey, listen. I'm going to give a shout out to a woman who, who was a mother to a lot of people. I'm probably known as the baddest kid that my mama had, except when Chris is around. But I want to give a shout out to Bishop Wright. Because for <laughs> 20 years, my mama set up in church and preached about a lot of chapters of the Bible. And she, I know she preached about the end times. The end is coming. And I told my mom today, you should get up in front of that church this time and say, you know what? I told y'all this times was coming. I told you this day was coming because right now things are in disarray. Mm -hmm. So shout out to my mom, Bishop Wright, who has been a minister for 20 some years. And she does a lot in the community. And uh, the impact that she's had on, um, on my life same way for Miss Hardy, same for Miss Drummond, same way for Miss Francis up the street. Man, you know, we could walk in any house at any time. And I call y'all mamas my mama. And uh, Miss man. You hear me? You can't leave out Miss Albert. Miss Albert. Yeah. Yeah, I just going to say, she definitely won't. Yeah. <laughs> Who had that big apple headed kid named Tracy. So, hey, next week, we're going to give out. In fact, that's what I'm doing. Give me a number, ladies, between one and 100. I'm giving out a copy of the book, Redeemed, written by Ann India Crawford, her new best-selling book. I'm going to give out a copy of that book for somebody in our audience. And someone else will get a piece of merchandise from the Black Super Friends podcast. I'm proud of you guys. You guys are doing amazing things. So keep your heads up. We'll see you next week. Yes, Xavier. I was about to tell you. Um, I think you're giving Chris a bad rap. Chris, I got you back. Um, it's gonna have to be Chris. I mean, somebody, yeah, it's gonna be Chris Leggy. Him and Prentice was the worst voice he had. And then Chris just took the reins and just ran with it like 2020 is his year, I think. But yeah, Chris Prentice <laughs> and Chris. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if I have to have to file for disability. It's gonna be because of Chris with the one leg. Hey, he set you down. I want my, I want a whooping to this day. So, yeah, yeah, I make sure I remind him every time I see him. You ain't nobody with no titanium leg. But that's another story. Hey, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Super Friends. We'll see you next week. So Ooh. anybody in the audience, give us some questions. Ooh. Give us some topics. We love what we're doing. Stay tuned for Therapy oh. Thursday. And oh, YouTube, smash that like button, comment, and subscribe. And we're going to do another show that Chris has yet to name where we'll have two rat lifts on one stage. So stay tuned for that. It should be a dude. You don't so, have to get a government name like that, but it's okay. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs>